My freshman philosopher professor assigned this exercise in forward thinking, and he called it a bucket list. We were supposed to make a list of all the things we wanted to do in our lives before we kicked the bucket. Cutesy. Welcome to The Internet Says It's True, a show where we learn something new every week, part of the WCBE podcast experience. My name is Michael Kent, and this week we're talking about something that is currently blowing up on the internet. If you're not a member on Patreon, by the way, last week's unedited interview video with Harrison Greenbaum is as good a reason as any to go and do that. It's at patreon.com slash Michael Kent, and that's where you go to see all the unedited Zoom calls with our guests. Last week's was hilarious. There was a ton of stuff I had to edit out. You won't be sorry you joined, trust me. Congratulations to last week's hidden contest winner, Jeff. Jeff won a $10 Amazon gift card by answering last week's secret question somewhere in the episode. We are continuing that again this week, and there's a strict you-can-only-win-once rule in place. The topics from this show usually come from people sending them in to me. You can do that by sending them in on social media, through Facebook or whatever, or through the form on the internet says it's true.com. This week's topic was sent in to me on Facebook from Owen. Hey, Michael, this is Owen Cooper. Uh, I was just wondering if you've been following the controversy about the origin of the phrase bucket list. Uh, I think that'd be a a great episode. Uh, I'd love to hear about it. Thanks. Thanks, Owen. I got this message late at night, and I proceeded to stay up way too long reading the Reddit thread about it. This blew me away. When Nelson Mandela died in 2013, thousands of people were confused. Something in their brain, some false memory, told them that Nelson Mandela had died in prison in the 1980s. This was despite the fact that he had gone on to be freed and to serve as president of South Africa for five years in the 90s. An American writer and so-called paranormal consultant, Fiona Broom, called the false memory, quote, the Mandela effect. And since then, popular culture is quick to point out similar false memories that happen on a large scale. Here are some of the most popular examples. You may have heard of some of these. Rich Uncle Pennybags in Monopoly never wore a monocle. Sinbad never made a genie movie in the 1990s. In Star Wars, Darth Vader never said the phrase, Luke, I am your father. That one, he said, no, I am your father and he was saying it to Luke, but people misremember it. There are more subtle examples like that, like people misremembering the color chartreuse as a pinkish magenta when it's really a green color. They misremember a hyphen in the name of the Kit Kat candy bar. They mistakenly think that Smokey the Bear was known as Smokey the... I see, even I said Smokey the Bear. It's actually Smokey Bear. Here's one that really got me. The movie Risky Business... There's this famous scene, Tom Cruise slides into the, into the shot and he's wearing just underwear and a button-down shirt and he's lip-syncing to old-time rock and roll. He's not wearing sunglasses in the movie, but you would probably swear that he was. Go back, watch it, there are no sunglasses. There are dozens of these. I could just sit and talk about examples of the Mandela effect all day, and a lot of these start to get weak. Like how people point out, Forrest Gump never said life is like a box of chocolates. Okay, no he didn't. But he said, Mama always said life was like a box of chocolates. So I don't see that as much as a Mandela effect because it's clear that as people quoted the movie and they didn't add the Mama said part, it adapted to make more sense when people used the phrase. But some of these are more bold false memories. 
like all of the people who swear the Fruit of the Loom underwear logo had a cornucopia as part of the design. It never did, never has. Or how Ed McMahon used to deliver giant checks to people as part of the publisher's clearinghouse. He never did that. He did briefly work for one of their competitors, but he never appeared on camera as part of that promotion. Well, the internet is going crazy right now with a new one, and it's about the phrase, bucket list, as in, here's a list of things I want to do before I die. The claim is that this phrase never appeared before the Rob Reiner buddy movie in 2007. And when you hear that, if you're like me, you're like, that's absolute BS because I've used that phrase my whole life since I was a kid and I've always known about bucket lists. The film is about these two men played by Jack Nicholson and Morgan Freeman who are terminally ill. One's a millionaire and the other's a mechanic. They become friends in the hospital room that they share and they decide to write a list of things they want to do before they kick the bucket. And that's why it's called a quote, bucket list. So the claim is that the writer of this film, who was Justin Zackham, coined the phrase when he wrote the script in 2006. It first appears 30 pages into the script when we see a list with the title and the character explains that I was trying to be funny, I guess. It's a list of things to do before I kick the bucket. That's the original script. So this is Morgan Freeman's character and Jack Nicholson's character discovers this list and here's how that actually played out in the movie. I played it at the very top of this episode, but let's listen again. My freshman philosophy professor assigned this exercise in forward thinking and he called it a bucket list. We were supposed to make a list of all the things we wanted to do in our lives before we kicked the bucket. Cutesy. So that was 2007. Think about how old you were in 2007. And think about not knowing or not having used the phrase before then. Does that seem impossible to you? I know it does to me. Well, when we come back from a quick break, we'll try to find out the truth. Okay, here's this week's contest for you. I'll send a $10 Amazon gift card to the first person who tweets me at Michael Kent and tells me the correct promo code to get 15% off a Scotty Vest purchase. The first person to tweet that to me publicly wins 10 bucks. There was a time that humans used 100% organic products as healing balms and moisturizers for their skin. Well, I've partnered with an awesome company that wants to get back to those times. Fatco sells organic and responsibly made tallow-based skincare products. For centuries, humans used tallow in skin moisturizers and healing balms, but unfortunately, the topical application of these fats seemed to stop around the same time that animal fats stopped being considered part of a healthy diet. A lot of modern skincare products do more harm than good by stripping your skin of its natural oils. Let's change that. You can try them out now at fatco.com and get 15% off your order by using my promo code INTERNET. Go to theinternetsaysitstrue.com slash deals for the link. It's been colder lately and I have photos on my Instagram of me wearing one of my favorite clothing items for this time of year, my Scotty Vest fleece. It is awesome for traveling around because it has pockets for all of my gadgets, for my phone, my glasses, my wallet, my charging cord, you name it. It's a clothing company I believe in. And I'm confident that they've got an article of clothing that you'll love. The best thing you can do is take a look at all the awesome pocket-packed clothing on their website. Go to scottyvest.com and enter promo code TM15. That's Tango Mike 15 and you'll get 15% off your order. The link is in my show notes. Okay, let's get back to the internet. 
I did a lot of research on the internet looking into this this week. It kept me up way too late when I first read about it, because everything in me says this phrase existed my whole life. It stems from the phrase kick the bucket to mean death. Now that phrase is old, it goes back to at least 1785. The origin has something to do with either the French word bucket, like B-U-C-Q-U-E-T, meaning a balance, or the literal action of a person being hanged and standing on a bucket before doing so, kicking away the bucket. So was the 2007 movie, which was written in 2006, the first instance of the phrase bucket list? Well, internet sleuths have searched newspaper databases, old archived websites, and Google book databases, and it seems like this phrase wasn't widely used anywhere before this film. I'm blown away by this. Now, with that said, it may be that Justin Zackham wasn't the first to actually use the phrase. A book called Unfair and Unbalanced, The Lunatic Magniloquence of Henry E. Pankey by Patrick M. Carlyle contains this sentence, quote, So anyway, a great man in his querulous twilight years who doesn't want to go gently into that blacky black night, he wants to cut loose, dance on the razor's edge, pry the lid off his bucket list. End quote. So it's older. That book is from, oh, it's from 2004. Not many people have heard of this book, so even if he coined the phrase, no one used it and no one heard of it from this book. There's also a blog post from someone named Kendra Puckett in 2006 called A Thousand Words that references the phrase, and it's being used in the same context here, almost the same sentence as the film. And another reference from a blog called, quote, Fong Songs, where someone used the phrase, all with dashes, quote, must see before I kick the proverbial bucket list. That's also, that's from 2006, July of 2006. And as we've stated, that same year, a screenplay was written by Justin Zackham. The idea came to him when he had written his own list. He called it, quote, list of things to do before I kick the bucket, end quote, and later shortened it to Justin's bucket list. The first item on his list was to get a film made at a major studio. The 2007 Rob Reiner film became Zackham's first studio film. Oh my gosh, the internet says this is true. This is a Mandela effect. Human memory is not good. I can't believe it. I absolutely cannot believe this one. I would have sworn I used that phrase growing up, but it just can't be true. The phrase bucket list never existed in any sort of popular widespread way until a Rob Reiner film used it as its title in 2007. Wow. Now it's time for the part of the podcast where I call a friend, and today I'm calling comedian Lisa Berry. Lisa is a comedian, performer, and sketch writer whose sketches have appeared on BuzzFeed, Hoo Ha Ha, and Funny or Die. She's also one of the founding producers of Seabus Comedy, who produces comedy shows around Columbus, Ohio. Lisa Berry, it is so good to have you on the podcast. Um, I'm excited. Any, I love supporting Columbus comedians and having them uh, on the show. I'm like not really in the Columbus comedy crowd being a magician, but I'm in just enough that I have a ton of comedian friends and you're always working. You're in the mix. When did you get involved with Columbus comedy? Yeah. So I started, um, about 10 years ago was when I did my first open mic. Um, I am somebody that I've sometimes sporadically done it, especially I have a, a son now. So I've definitely taken 
you know, taken some time off at different points in time. Um, but yeah, I started about 10 years ago when I had my first open mic and actually, um, at that time, another Columbus comic, Tom Plute, um, he, that was his first open mic. Our first open mic was the the same night and we became pretty good friends. And as I think, you know, um, we went on to help another third Columbus comic, Dustin Meadows produce a festival for a number of years called the whiskey bear comedy festival. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dustin, you know, for various reasons that kind of ended, um, Dustin moved out to LA and, um, the whiskey bear comedy festival folded, but Tom and I wanted to continue working together. So now 10 years later, we are producers of Seabus comedy where, yeah, we produce and we perform at shows all over the city and it's, it's pretty fun, but that's, that's how I got started in it. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I did the open mics and then I started getting book shows for a while. I was doing a lot of sketch comedy. Um, so that was a big part of what I did. Um, but the main sketch show that I was a part of stopped during, you know, when, when everything kind of shut down, as we all know, um, that stopped and it hasn't really started back up, but. Do you do improv as well? No, I don't do improv. I've been guests on improv shows, you know, like hashtag comedy is is a big improv, uh, group here in Columbus. I've done a couple of their shows, but it's more like, I am, I am a guest. I am not part of that world. Generally. I, to me, that is the most terrifying form of comedy. Yeah. That's my relationship with improv as well. I, I took some, some classes at the second city, like improv and comedy writing and stuff. And I'm really bad at it because if you're used to doing a one person show, when you join a troupe of, of improv actors, you are trying to make sure it's funny. And you're like, you're thinking in your head, like, I need to guarantee that this is going to be funny because I'm the guest. And by the time you're figuring out what's going to make it funny, they're talking about something else and you weren't listening. It's like such a, it's, it's a really good, uh, exercise in, in being present and just going with it and humble. (laughs) It is humbling to do improv. But I always say, I think I've, I've probably said it on other podcasts. Like I think improv is good for every profession, like sales and everything. Yeah, I, just I agree. It's- I agree. Um, you know, and I have some friends that that's what they do is they go to businesses and they use improv to to help them improve things in business. And I, I agree. I think it's such a good skill to have. Um, yeah. But yeah, especially when you're performing with people that have performed together typically, and they're so good at it. I feel like it's, it's so intimidating. And, um, you know, I think with stand up, you're always the one that needs to get the laugh. And then I think with improv, sometimes you have to, you know, be the assist. And I think that can sometimes be hard when you're used to doing stand-up comedy. I had an improv teacher tell me once that I was not good at choosing weak characters. Um, and then I needed to practice choosing weaker characters because I would come into a scene and always be like some sort of dominant character. Like I'm the mayor or I'm your boss or, you know what I mean? And, and they said, you know, try, try choosing a character that's maybe downtrodden or maybe you know isn't the focal point of the scene and i'm like but why would i do that you know they won't be watching me if i do that so anyway let's let's get into the quiz lisa i'm i'm excited to have you here you don't know what the topic is and for this first question we're playing for a joke so if you get it right i have to tell you a joke and if you get it wrong you'll tell me one and it can be a popsicle stick kids joke a joke book joke doesn't matter Okay. Here's the question. The internet has been buzzing about the fact that which one of these phrases isn't as old as people collectively thought. Okay. A, cold shoulder, B, drawing board, or C, bucket list. 
Um, I think it, I mean, it feels like it could be any of them. Uh, one I of these feel- in particular has been, there have been Reddit threads about it. There have been like Buzzfeed articles uh, and all kinds of stuff that, oh my gosh, we thought that this was an old phrase and it's not. Uh, this is, uh, this is making me embarrassed because I actually am on Reddit and Buzzfeed all the time and I have <laughs> no idea what this is. Um, I didn't either. And someone sent it to me okay. this week and it blew me away. So, okay. So cold shoulder. I don't know. I mean, that me, could be newer than people think, right? Because I don't know. It could clothing be. used to cover your shoulders a lot. So maybe. I'm going to give you a hint Okay. that may, this may give it away, but I'm going to give you a hint. This phrase originated in 2007. One of these originated in 2007? That's what I said. <laughs> yes. That's when I heard this, okay. I was like, what? Okay. So I'm trying to think of what I would have heard. I feel like I heard drawing board when I was a kid. So I feel like it's not, I swear I heard drawing board when I was younger. I feel like it's not drawing board. I, I feel like I heard cold shoulder when I was younger. A Navy bucket list because I don't, that one's tough because I don't know that I would have thought about a bucket list when I was a kid. So like that also might've just been like, it wasn't a part of my, right. but I think I am going to go with bucket list. You are correct. The answer is bucket list. Nobody said bucket list until there was a movie. Rob Reiner made a, a movie called the bucket list in 2007. But where did he get the phrase? So the writer. Or do I need to listen to the podcast? Yeah, you, yeah. I mean, if you go back and you listen to the podcast, it'll explain it. But uh, and so okay. we won't go over all of it for our listeners. But uh, it was, you know, the year prior, the writer, Justin Zackham, he had written a list of things to do before he kicked the bucket and he shortened it to Justin's bucket list. And oh, that's how wow. he sort of presented it in the movie as well with uh, the movie was Jack Nicholson and Morgan Freeman. Yeah, I so, remember that movie. Okay. Yeah, but no one said that. And everyone's like, well, Bucket List has been around forever. But no one really said it until that movie. Now, there were a couple very obscure references to Bucket List prior to that movie, but only by a few years. So right. it was... Okay, I think that's so crazy. Reddit was I, able I to find... I remember the oh, movie, sorry. but... I felt, yeah, I definitely thought the movie came because the phrase was so used. Because now it's like, I have a list on our refrigerator of like our summer bucket list for things we want to do this summer. I feel like, yeah, it's everywhere. I do. I have a sightseeing bucket list that I use in my <laughs> act um, when I'm doing close-up magic and someone chooses a location from my sightseeing bucket list. And I don't ever have to explain what that means to anyone. Right, yeah. Um, and which is funny because if you ask those people, they, they probably haven't seen that movie, The Bucket List, like, you know, yeah. but they know what bucket list is because it was yeah. it became a colloquialism. I owe yeah. you a joke, Lisa. Okay. Um, why do ants never get sick? Why it's, do ants never get sick? It's because they have antibodies. Oh, mm. that's good. Yeah. How old is your kid? He's three and he's on a kick right now where he tells a joke every night. So I might have to work there this into the, the rep. That one is <laughs> for your son. All right. Question two. For this question, we're playing for an admission of guilt. In this case, it's going to be a guilty pleasure movie or TV show. So okay. if you get it wrong, you've got to tell me a movie or TV show you're not proud of loving. If you get it right, I'll tell you one of mine. Okay. Bucket list comes from the phrase kicking the bucket. Which one of these phrases is another euphemism for dying? A, to pop one's clogs, B, to kiss the king, or C, to shine the train. 
Um, okay, well, I've never heard of any of those. Can I hear them one more time? Sure. To pop the clog? To pop one's clogs, as in okay. he popped his clogs. <laughs> or B, B is to kiss the king, as in he kissed the king. Or C, to shine the train. Okay, so, I mean, kiss the king sounds very plausible. Shine the train, like, you know, like the tunnel. You're leaving Earth through a tunnel. That could make sense. Pop the clogs. I don't know. Is that like a clogged sink or like clogs that you dance with? Pop the clogs. I guess. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I guess it would be that you dance with. Um, pop the clogs. Okay. So I actually, here's what I'm thinking. If it's clogs that you dance with, I feel like maybe it's like, you know, like you, you're hanging up your clogs one last time. So I'm going to go pop the clogs. Well, your reasoning was incorrect, but your answer is correct. You win that one. <laughs> to pop one's clogs was a popular phrase in Britain in the 19th century. It refers to pawning someone's clothes after they die. So British oh. slang for pawning was to pop, like I'm going to you know, pop this watch and get some money for it. So they, they would okay. say to pop one's clogs. <laughs> uh, yeah, and apparently that was a thing. You know, someone dies, okay. you pawn their clothes. I guess I didn't know clogs were that ubiquitous. <laughs> that would That's the, the one thing I didn't see was a, a link between clogs and clothes. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I don't know. What, yeah, I didn't think clogs were anything outside of maybe like Dutch. I, I right, really, yeah. yeah, you don't hear about that. I thought that. maybe it was like, you know, the last dance and now we're hanging up their clogs. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Who knows? But you got yeah. that one right. You're two for two okay. and I owe you a guilty pleasure uh, admission. So for me, it's every time I, I was thinking about this the other day, every time it comes on TV, I will stop and watch the Cosby show and oh, feel guilty still. about it. So <laughs> usually when you talk about like guilty pleasure, it's kind of like, oh, this is a horrible movie, but I watch it anyway because I have a, you know, a nostalgic tie to it or something. Mm -hmm. But the Cosby show, for obvious reasons, <laughs> I'm not even sure should be on TV anymore. It's I mean, this is a guy who drugged and raped women for most of his yeah. adult life. Yeah, allegedly. And, you know, a couple of them we know for sure he was convicted right. on. Uh, but I will still watch it because I just think it was good television. Like it was interesting, it was. entertaining. There is nostalgia to it. Yeah. But the writing, mm -hmm. the the comedy, it was all solid. And it I think a yeah. lot of it stands up. So, yeah, I would agree with that. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's similar, right, to so. I think sometimes it's harder with a TV show, but that's super common with music. So where people will continue to listen to music, even when uh, the artist has been proven beyond any reasonable doubt to be a horrible person. So sure. I don't know, it feels different with TV, but I guess it's really, it's not. Yeah. I mean, if you're Kid Rock, you make more money once you prove that you're a horrible person. <laughs> um, Chris Brown's probably not doing as well as he was 15, 20 years ago. In terms mm -hmm. of play radio plays, but he's still on all the time. He's you know, still, people yeah. always still listen to, to Chris Rock. Yeah, he's to still, Chris, did I say Chris Rock? You and Chris Rock. <laughs> did I say Chris, yeah, Chris Brown? Chris Brown. Yeah. Kid, I combined Kid Rock and Chris Brown yeah. into an entirely new person who yeah. is already a person. Chris Rock, as far as I know, is fine. I've right? never heard any bad things about Chris right. Rock, so <laughs> I think we're okay there. Yeah, yeah, so it's one of those things. Like I, I do feel guilty for it, but for different mm -hmm. reasons than I feel guilty for. Like one of my favorite movies is a movie called Time Bandits, and my brother and I often argue about right. this movie. It's a Terry Gilliam movie. Terry Gilliam was the artist oh. for Monty Python, but he yeah. made a, I don't know. I think he made a couple movies, and this was one where it's little people that travel through time. It's got a young Sean Connery <laughs> in it. 
not as the main character, but just as a random king. And uh, I think he plays King Agnememnon or something like that. And sure. uh, the the plot of the movie is weird and twisted and not 100% sensical. And okay. so, but I love it because of nostalgia. So it's, that's yeah. like a real guilty pleasure movie for nostalgia. But the Cosby show is just because like, I would not say in on right. stage in front like of an audience, I love guilty. it. I wouldn't make my <laughs> yeah. Facebook profile picture like Bill Cosby. You know what I mean? No, you'll just say it on this nationally yeah. broadcast podcast. But, but with explanation, right? Like I have right, the ability yeah, here to spend context. three minutes talking about the context of why I feel guilty <laughs> right. for doing that and th- that I am aware of who he is. Whereas, okay, let's move on. Just like, yeah. <laughs> question three. For this question, we're playing for a coveted The Internet Says It's True sticker. So Ooh, okay. um, being that you do live in Columbus, you might actually get one of these if you get it right. Usually when people get this question right, they win the sticker. I never mail them. So in this episode, we've talked about various examples of the Mandela effect, which is how mm-hmm. people describe this sort of bucket list fake memory, you know. Here is a Mandela effect that we haven't touched in this episode. Which one of these is the correct product name? So one of these oh, three okay. is an actual product name. A. Stouffer's Stovetop Stuffing. B. Kraft Stovetop Stuffing. Or C. Velveeta Stovetop Stuffing. So, okay. So Stouffer's Stovetop top Stuffing. Kraft Stovetop Stuffing. Velveeta stovetop stuffing. You got it so right. I, it, I feel like the right one is Stouffer's, which makes me think that that's the Mandela effect one. So it's probably not Stouffer's stovetop stuffing. Um, so I'm trying to think, I mean, I feel like Stouffer's is right, but I don't know if that's, if I'm wrong. So I'm just going to say Stouffer's stovetop stuffing. You are experiencing the Mandela effect along with everyone else. Everyone thinks it was stovetop stuffing by Stouffer's. It was, in fact, Kraft stovetop stuffing and always has been with the Kraft logo and everything. But people, I was born in 1979. I grew up in the 80s and I swear I could almost sing the Stouffer's stovetop stuffing commercial, but it doesn't exist. Yeah. It does not. You can scour YouTube for that. That 1980s commercial doesn't exist. Does never exist. happened. Um, and it's always been craft. So I don't know why we, that's one of those things. Like sometimes you can figure out why the Mandela effect occurs, Yeah. but this is one where we, no one has any idea. Do you, do right. you have any favorite examples of Mandela effects? Yeah. The, um, Shazam movie, the Shazam that doesn't, that exist. doesn't exist. The, this yeah. is, this is the famous one where everyone <laughs> thinks that for some reason Sinbad was in a genie movie. <laughs> And, and I remember this too. I do too. I remember that that's one that, that works on me. Um, and I said this to some people this weekend. We were at some friend's house out in, in Indiana and they're like, no, it was Shaq. It was Shaquille O'Neal and it was called Kazam. And there is a, a Shaq, but I don't get Shaquille O'Neal and Sinbad confused. That's not no. something people do. Everyone thinks it was Sinbad. Right. Because, yeah, like I saw Kazam and Shaq is very talented at many things but acting is not one of them i remember one with, i swear i remember one with sinbad now there have been a multitude of sinbad movies not starring sinbad um just with the name sinbad the legendary sinbad yeah and that you know it, 
1992, there was one. 2003, there was one. In the 70s, there was a Sinbad movie, um, but not about a genie and not in, not with Sinbad in them. <laughs> Sorry, so Sinbad. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, that's that's one of those that absolutely works on me. Um, there's another one that I mentioned in this podcast that I re- think is really interesting. The movie Risky Business with Tom Cruise. Okay. Uh, he's dancing in the famous scene to old time rock and roll, slides in on his sock feet, wearing underwear and a button down shirt. He is not wearing sunglasses. Really? He is not. Um, oh, and everyone remembers yeah. that. And I think part of that is because over the years, people wore sunglasses as part of a Halloween costume to be the risky business guy. I don't know why. Now, our friend in Indiana, we were talking about this, obviously, and he said, uh, well, the, the cover of the movie, Tom Cruise is wearing yeah, sunglasses. He, right. He has like sunglasses. Yeah. Like, they're down on his yeah. nose. Yeah. So maybe there was a conglomeration of images there or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, <laughs> you're, you're okay. two for three and uh, you'll have to be on the show again to get a sticker. So <laughs> question four. And for this question, we're playing for a funny or embarrassing story from the stage. Something that's happened okay. in your career doing comedy that is either funny or embarrassing. In the film, The Bucket List, Edward Cole, played by Jack Nicholson's most notable line, is this line. Three things to remember when you get older. Never pass up a bathroom. Never waste a hard-on. And what (laughs) third thing? Is it A, never re-wear socks, B, never drink alone, or C, never trust a fart? I've never seen the movie. Um, so like I remember the movie coming out, but I've I've never seen it. So I have no idea. And I went back um, and checked, and I don't think this line is in the trailer. So I'm not okay. sure, at least not in the original trailer. So I'm not sure anyone would know this unless you had seen the movie. So this one's just gonna be a guess. This is a total guess. It yes, was, I have no idea. It was never we never rewear socks, never drink alone, or never trust a fart. So here's here's it's a total guess. Uh, but I'm going to guess that maybe this took place in a scene where Jack Nicholson is asking somebody else to drink with him. And so he's saying, here's three things I've learned, yada, 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 and never drink alone. And like gives the drink to somebody. That's going to be my guess. I'm going to say never drink alone. Three things to remember when you get older. Never pass up a bathroom. Never waste a hard on and never trust a fart. Keep that in mind as I approach decrepitude. That was a fantastic rationalization to get you to the wrong answer. <laughs> the answer is never trust a fart. Um, so there you go. Do you have a, a funny or embarrassing story from the stage? Something that's happened over the years? Oh, gosh, I have to think because I'm sure I do. But I think I've probably blocked blocked them out. <laughs> yes. Um, OK, so uh, I once... Uh, <laughs> And this isn't going to be that embarrassing, but it made me feel real dumb. So um, there was a somebody that I had worked with a little bit who like, you know, and my sketch show, we used to have local people come on sometimes and, and be part of the sketch show. Uh, and so there was somebody that did that who owned a local tattoo parlor uh, and sometimes would have concerts at his tattoo parlor. And so and I'm. I don't know. That's not like exactly my scene, but I was like, all right, I'll go. So I, I went to one and I was waiting for the concert to start. And I was like leaning, leaning against a wall. And then the owner came over to me. And since like, we kind of knew each other, um, I like started talking to him a little bit. And then he like, and I know most people aren't going to see it. So I'm just going to describe what I'm doing, but he like went in with like his arms kind of like, 
you know, like curved and like moving his body towards me. And I thought he was going in for a hug. So I hugged him and then he was like, he got real awkward. And he was like, Oh no, you're leaning against the light switch and I have to turn the light off. So the band could start playing. <laughs> oh no, that's awesome. And I now, was like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Is this makes someone that, that you encounter in your daily life these days? Or <laughs> is this someone you don't ever have to see again? It was, yeah. Well, yeah, I never saw him again. That's good. I was like, all right, and I'm out. I I know where you're talking about because part of the Whiskey Bear Festival was there and perhaps the most fun show of that festival, one of the most fun shows was the Power Hour and you would just have, I mean, it was like 60 comedians. Each one goes up and does one minute, one after another, after another. And it was so great. It was so much fun to see if people decided, some people decided to do material, other people just did random (laughs) stuff uh you know um who was it someone did the you can't handle the truth scene and they just read it as quickly as possible and did the whole scene in one minute uh sometimes they were just one-off joke it was so much fun so much yeah yeah i loved i i agree that was so much fun because it was it was really cool to see what people did with that one minute and uh, yeah yeah because you know some people especially like I, I don't think there's anything in my show I can do in one minute that actually is entertaining on its own <laughs> merit. So I think I just decided to do something different. And another yeah. really fun sh- uh, show from Whiskey Bear Comedy Festival was Dustin Meadows Hot Dog Show, which <laughs> yes. the premise of that show, maybe you can explain the premise better than I yeah. can. So I've, I've done that show several times. Oh, I've my gosh. I take premise. my hat off to you for that. So the premise of his hot dog show was that um, you would every comedian would be given kind of like a a tell or they would have some rule that they weren't supposed to violate but they weren't aware of what it was so like you would be asked to leave the room Dustin would tell the entire audience what your thing was so for example the very first time I did the show uh, my thing was elaborate hand gestures Um, (laughs) but I didn't know so I had to leave the room and I came back in and I would tell a joke and anytime I would do an elaborate hand gesture he would play a bullhorn noise and you have to eat a hot dog. And then the rule is you don't have to eat the hot dog right away, but you have to finish all of your hot dogs before you leave the stage. So all of these comedians would start kind of piling on stage and then they would start like interacting with the other comedians. And it was just such a fun show. Um, I will say that was the show where I learned I do elaborate hand gestures because I did not know. before. <laughs> well, and that's what made the show so good is that Dustin would sort of study other, the comedians that were going to be on the show to find out if they had a tick or a tell yeah. or something that they did quite often in their set. And so there's an there is an opportunity for this show to make them a better comedian. If someone always yes. says, um, or something like that, he could make that yeah, yeah. the thing. Uh, it was just, it was such an entertaining show. Yeah. I, I hope to see that sort of show in the future again. I don't know if, if he is okay. continuing that has plans to continue that out West, but I think he has plans to like take it to festivals. I hope so. Cause I agree. I think it's, it was, I hated being on the show. Oh, I would have never been able not, to. I think, yeah, like the first time when I had the elaborate hand gestures, I had a bunch of hot dogs I had to eat. And then the second time I did the show, um, he gave me smiling. And for the people that cannot see me on the podcast, I just have like a permanent smile. I'm a very, I have a very Midwestern smile. 
Um, and so I think halfway through, he just abandoned it because the audience thought it was too mean. Once you're getting 12 hot dogs that you've got to eat in your three minute set, it's like, OK, well, let's 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 ease up. She's good. Oh, so good. So good. Well, you are uh, two for four so far and we're heading into the final question, the fifth question. Lisa, this one's for all the marbles. If you get this wrong, okay. I am banning you from my podcast. You'll never oh, be no. asked on again. I'll never get the sticker. You'll never get the sticker. Uh, but but if you answer this correctly, you get that chance. Here's your question. Okay. If you could okay. create your own Mandela effect, what would it be about? Ooh. What thing would you choose to make people have a mass false memory about? Oh, wow. That is really interesting. Oh my gosh. Okay. You threw me for a loop with that one. I have to think about that one for a second. So this one, okay, this is really hard, but I think that I would make, so I am a really big Cleveland Browns fan. So I think I would just um, make everybody remember that the year that the Browns left, they won the Super Bowl and left in a place of glory and be really confused if that, that that didn't happen. Yeah. I think that would be what I want. They just totally misremember the history of the Browns and remember them winning yeah. before they go off to Baltimore. Bernie Kosar, <laughs> yeah. we find out, has really been the quarterback for 40 years right. of the yeah. Browns. And we're all just misremembering our mm. entire lives worth of Browns games. I yes, like it. Exactly. I like it. That exactly. That is a correct answer, which means you get a chance to come back on the podcast and uh, <laughs> you went three for five. That is not too bad. That's a winning record. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the, the show. You can see Lisa Berry at Cafe Kerouac on March 17th. That's in Columbus, Ohio, in Hilliard, Ohio, which is where I live. She'll be at the station on March 24th. Where else can people learn more about you or Seabus Comedy in general? Um, so you can follow me at Lisa Berry, uh, Berry227 on Instagram. Um, and Seabus Comedy, you can go to seabuscomedy.com or you can find Seabus Comedy on Facebook or Instagram. And it's just Seabus Comedy. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Once again, that's uh, it's, it's Lisa Berry227. It's Barry 227. Oh, Barry227. 227, like the show, like the 90s or 80s show with Jack Yeah. Hale. Exactly. Or like uh, I was the 227th fairy to attend OSU and I just yeah. kept that. I get that. <laughs> throughout yeah. the rest of my adult life. <laughs> I, my, I, my brother was like 53 and I was 72 and my niece just got accepted and she's like 300 and something. So we figured out the Kent per year ratio based yeah. on that. My brother and I were, <laughs> were joking about that. All right. Well, have a wonderful week, Lisa. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Well, that's all for this week. Next week will be a completely different topic, so send those in on our website. Thanks to Owen Cooper for today's topic, and thanks to Lisa Berry for being my guest. Here's a kid who's never heard of Jack Nicholson. Thank you for listening to The Internet Says It's True. Don't forget to join up on Patreon if you want to see the unedited video of the guest appearance or to hear bonus episodes. You can do that at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. Also, if you learned something that you didn't already know from the show, please visit iTunes and leave us a review with five stars and a few words. That's the rule. You gotta do it. That helps us a ton because that's how the algorithm works to get the podcast suggested to more people. And that way we can keep learning something new if the internet says it's true. 
The internet says it's true. We'd like to thank the Patreon subscribers whose monthly contributions help to make this show possible. Sean Brown, Catherine Morgan, Bryce Swanson, Eugene Anderson, Matt McVeigh, Jim Martin, Joanne Martin, and show's official Emperor Kick Track. The show is written and produced by me, Michael Kim. The theme song is by Finite Music Forge, and additional music this week was from Jine Daly and the 41 Players. All audio clips in this episode are used for education and commentary and used under Fair Use Title 17 USC Section 107. You can listen to past episodes by searching for The Internet Says It's True wherever you get your podcasts, and you can see bonus content at patreon.com slash Michael Kent.